Section 37 of The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Dream of the Red Chamber, Book 2, by Chiao Shuqing, translated by Henry Bancroft Jolie, Chapter 43, Part 2. In the Trango, the second day of the ninth moon arrived. The inmates of the garden came to find out that Mrs. Yu was making preparations on an extremely grand scale. For not only was there to be a theoretical performance, but jugglers and women's storytellers as well, and they combined in getting everything ready that could conduce to afford amusement and enjoyment. This is Li Wen went on to say to the young ladies, the proper day for our literary gathering. So, don't forget it. If Bao Yu hasn't appeared, it must, I presume, be that his mind is so preoccupied with the fuss that's going on that he has lost sight of all pure and refined things. Speaking, go and see what he is up to. She enjoined a waiting maid, and be quick and tell him to come. The waiting maid returned after a long absence. Sister Hua says she reported that he went out of doors soon after daylight this morning. The result of the inquiries filled everyone with surprise. He can't have gone out, they said. This girl is stupid and doesn't know how to speak. They consequently also directed Tui Mo to go and ascertain the truth. In a little time, Tui Mo returned. It's really true, she explained, that he has gone out of doors. He gave out that a friend of his was dead, and that he was going to pay a visit of condolence. There's certainly nothing of the kind, Tan Chun interposed. But whatever there might have been to call him away, it wasn't right of him to go out on an occasion like the present one. Just call Jiren here and let me ask her. But just as she was issuing these directions, she perceived Jiren appear on the scene. No matter what he may have had to attend to today, Li Wen and the rest remarked, he shouldn't have gone out. In the first place, it's your mistress Secunda's birthday, and our Dowager Lady is in such buoyant spirits that the various inmates, whether high or low, are coming from either mansion to join in the fun. And lo, he goes off. Secondly, this is the proper day as well for holding our first literary gathering. And he doesn't so as apply for leave, but stealthily sneaks away. Jiren heaved a sigh. He said last night, she explained, that he had something very important to do this morning, that he was going as far as Prince Beijing's mansion, but that he would hurry back. I advised him not to go, but of course he wouldn't listen to me. When he got out of bed at daybreak this morning, he asked for his plain clothes and put them on. So I suppose some lady of note belonging to the household of Prince Beijing must have departed this life. But who can tell? If such be truly the case, Li Wen and her companions exclaimed, It's quite right that 
he should have gone over for a while, but he should have taken care to be back in time. This remark over, they resumed their deliberations. Let's write our verses, they said, and we can find him on his return. As these words were being spoken, they espied a messenger dispatched by Daoja Lady Jia to ask them over. So they at once adjourned to the front part of the compound. Jiren then reported to his grandmother what Bao Yu had done. O Lady Jia was upset by the news, so much so that she issued immediate orders to a few servants to go and fetch him. Bao Yu had, in fact, been brooding over some affair of the heart. A day in advance, he therefore gave proper injunctions to Bei Ming. As I shall be going out of doors tomorrow at daybreak, he said, you'd better get ready two horses and wait at the back door. No one else need follow as an escort. Tell Li Gui that I've gone to the Bei mansion. In the event of anyone wishing to start in search of me, bid him place every obstacle in the way, as all inquiries can well be dispensed with. Let him simply explain that I've been detained in the Bay Mansion, but that I shall surely be back shortly. Bei Ming could not make out head or tail of what he was driving at, but he had no alternative than to deliver his message word for word. At the first blush of morning of the day appointed, he actually got ready two horses and remained in waiting at the back gate. When daylight set in, he perceived Bao Yu make his appearance from the side door, galloped from head to foot in a plain suit of clothes. Without uttering a word, he mounted his steed, and stooping his body forward, he proceeded at a quick step on his way down the road. Bei Ming had no help but to follow suit, and springing on his horse, he smacked it with his whip and overtook his master. Where are we off to? he eagerly inquired from behind. Where does this road lead to? Bao Yu asked. This is the main road leading out of the northern gate, Bei Ming replied. Once out of it, everything is so dull and dreary that there is nothing worth seeing. Bao Yu caught this answer and nodded his head. I was just thinking that a dull and dreary place would be just the thing, he observed. While speaking, he administered his stick two more whacks. The horse quickly turned a couple of corners and trotted out of the city gate. Bei Ming was more and more at a loss what to think of the whole affair. Yet his only course was to keep pace closely in his master's track. With one gallop, they covered a distance of over seven or eight leagues. But it was only when human habitations became gradually few and far between that Bao Yu ultimately drew up his horse. Turning his head round, is there any place here, he asked, where incense is sold? Incense? Bei Ming shouted. Yes, there is, but what kind of incense it is I don't know. All other incense is worth nothing, Bao Yu resumed after a moment's reflection. We should get sandalwood, conifer, and cedar, these three. These three sorts are very difficult to get. Bei Ming smiled. Bao Yu was driven to his wit's ends. But Bei Ming, noticing his dilemma, What do you want incense for? 
he felt impelled to ask. Master Secundus, I've often seen you wear a small purse about your person full of tiny pieces of incense, and why don't you see whether you've got it with you? This allusion was sufficient to suggest the idea to Bao Yu's mind. Forthwith, he drew back his hand and felt the purse suspended on the lapel of his coat. It really contained two bits of Chen Shu. At this discovery, his heart expanded with delight. The only thing that damped his spirits was the notion that there was a certain want of reverence in his proceedings. But on second consideration, he concluded that what he had about him was, after all, considerably superior to any he could purchase. And with alacrity, he went on to inquire about a censer and charcoal. Don't think of such things, Beiming urged. Where could they be procured in a deserted and lonely place like this? If you needed them, why didn't you speak somewhat sooner? and we could have brought them along with us. Would not this have been more convenient? You stupid thing, exclaimed Bao Yu. Had we been able to bring them along, we wouldn't have had to run in this way as if for life. Bei Ming indulged in a projected reverie, after which he gave a smile. I've thought of something, he cried, but I wonder what you think about it, Master Secundus. You don't, I expect only require these things. You'll need others, too, I presume. But this isn't the place for them. So let's move on at once another couple of leaves when we'll get to the Water Spirit Monastery. Is the Water Spirit Monastery in this neighborhood? Bao Yu eagerly inquired upon hearing his proposal. Yes, that would be better. Let's press forward. With this reply, he touched his horse with his whip while advancing on their way, he turned round. The nun in this water spirit monastery, he shouted to Bei Ming, frequently comes on a visit to our house, so that when we now get there and ask her for the loan of a censer, she is certain to let us have it. Not to mention that that's a place where our family burns incense, Bei Ming answered. She could not dare to raise any objections to any appeal from us for a loan were she even in a temple quite unknown to us. There's only one thing. I've often been struck with the strong dislike you have for this water spirit monastery, Master, and how is that you are now so delighted with the idea of going to it? I've all along had the keenest contempt for those low-bred persons. Pao Yu rejoined, who, without knowing why or wherefore, foolishly offer sacrifices to the spirits, and needlessly have temples erected. The reason of it all is that those rich old gentlemen and unsophisticated wealthy women who lived in past days were only too ready, the moment they heard of the presence of a spirit anywhere, to take in hand the erection of temples to offer their sacrifices in, without even having the faintest notion whose spirits they were. This was because they readily credited as gospel truth such rustic stories and idle tales as chanced to reach their ears. Take this place as an example. Offerings are presented in this water spirit nunnery to the spirit of the Le stream. 
hence the name of water spirit monastery has been given to it but people really don't know that in past days there was no such thing as a Le spirit these are indeed no better than legendary yarns invented by chao Jian. and who would have thought it this sort of stupid people have put up images of it to which they offer oblations it serves however my purpose today so i will borrow of her whatever i need to use while engaged in talking they reached the entrance the old nun saw bao yu arrive and was thoroughly taken aback so far was this visit beyond her expectations that well did it seem to her as if a live dragon had dropped from the heavens with alacrity she rushed up to him and making inquiries after his health she gave orders to an old taoist to come and take his horse pao yu stepped into the temple but without paying the least homage to the image of the Le spirit he simply kept his eyes fixed intently on it for a bed made of clay it actually seemed nevertheless to flutter as does a terror-stricken swan and to wriggle as a dragon in motion it looked like a lotus peeping its head out of the green stream or like the sun pouring its rays upon the russet clouds in the early morn Bao Yu's tears unwittingly trickled down his cheeks the old nun presented tea Bao Yu then asked her for the loan of a censer to burn incense in after a projected absence the old nun returned with some incense as well as several paper horses which she had got ready for him to offer but pao yu would not use any of the things she brought take the censer he said to bei ming and go out into the back garden and find a clean spot but having been unable to discover one what about the platform round that well bei ming inquired pao yu nodded his head assentingly then along with him he repaired to the platform of the well he deposited the censer on the ground while bei ming stood on one side pao yu produced the incense and threw it on the fire with suppressed tears he performed half of the ceremony and turning himself round he bade bei ming clear the things away bei ming acquiesced but instead of removing the things he speedily fell on his face and made several prostrations as his lips uttered this prayer i bei ming have been in the service of master secundus for several years of the secrets of mr secundus heart there are none which i have not known save that with regard to this sacrifice today the object of which he has neither told me nor have i had the presumption to ask but thou o spirit who art the recipient of these sacrificial offerings must i expect unknown though thy surname and name be to me be a most intelligent and supremely beautiful elder or younger sister unique among mankind without a peer even in heaven as my master secundus cannot give vent to the sentiments which fill his heart allow me to pray on his behalf 
Should thou possess spirituality, and holiness be thy share, do thou often come and look up our Mr. Secundus? For persistently do his thoughts dwell with thee, and there is no reason why thou shouldst not come. But shouldst thou be in the abode of the dead, grant that our Mr. Secundus too may in his coming existence be transformed into a girl, so that he may be able to amuse himself with you all. And will not this prove a source of pleasure to both sides? At the close of his invocation, he again knocked his head several times on the ground and eventually rose to his feet. Pao Yu lent an ear to his utterances, but before they had been brought to an end, he felt it difficult to repress himself from laughing. Giving him a kick, don't talk such stuff and nonsense, he shouted. Were any looker-on to overhear what you say, he jeered at you. Bei Ming got up and pushed the censor away. While he walked along with Pao Yu, up already, he said, told the nun that you hadn't as yet had anything to eat, Master Secundus, and I bade her get a few things ready for you. So you must force yourself to take something. I know very well that a grand banquet will be spread in our mansion today, that exceptional bustle will prevail, and that you have, on account of this, sir, come here to get out of the way. But as you are, after all, going to spend a whole day in peace and quiet in here, you should try and divert yourself as best you can. It won't, therefore, by any manner of means, do for you to have nothing to eat. I won't be at the theatrical performance to have any wine, Pao Yu remarked. So what harm will there be in my having a drink here, as the fancy takes me? Quite so, rejoined Bei Ming. But there's another consideration. You and I have run over here, but there must be some whose minds are ill at ease. Were there no one uneasy about us, well, what would it matter? If we got back into town as late as we possibly could. But if there be any solicitors on your account, it's but right, Master Secundus, that you should enter the city and return home. In the first place, our worthy old mistress and Madame Wang would thus compose their minds, and secondly, you'll observe the proper formalities, if you succeed in doing nothing else. But even supposing that, when once you get home, you feel no inclination to look at the place and have anything to drink, you can merely wait upon your father and mother and acquit yourself of your filial piety. Well, if it's only a matter of fulfilling this obligation, and you don't care whether our old mistress and our lady, your mother, experience concern or not, why, the spirit itself, which has just been the recipient of your oblations, won't feel in a happy frame of mind. You better, therefore, master, ponder and see what you think of my words. I see what you are driving at, Bao Yu smiled. You keep before your mind the thoughts that you are the only servant who has followed me as an attendant out of town, and you give way to fear that you will, on your return, have to bear the consequences. You hence have recourse to these grandiloquent arguments to shove words of counsel down my throat. I've come here now, 
with the sole object of satisfying certain rights, and then going to partake of the banquet and be a spectator of the place. And I never mentioned one single word about any intention on my part not to go back to town for a whole day. I've, however, already accomplished the wish I fostered in my heart. So if we hurried back to town, so as to enable everyone to set their solicitude at rest, won't the right principle be carried out to the full in one respect as well as another? Yes, that would be better, exclaimed Beiming. Conversing the while, they wended their way into the Buddhistic hall. Here the nun had, in point of fact, got ready a table with lantern viands. Bao Yu hurriedly swallowed some refreshment, and so did Beiming, after which they mounted their steeds and retraced their steps homewards by the road they had come. Beiming followed behind. Master Secundus, he kept on shouting, be careful how you ride. That horse hasn't been ridden very much, so hold him in tight a bit. As he urged him to be careful, they reached the interior of the city walls, and making their entrance once more into the mansion by the back gate, they betook themselves with all possible dispatch into the Yihong court. Zheren and the other maids were not at home. Only a few old women were there to look after the rooms. As soon as they saw him arrive, they were so filled with gratification that their eyebrows dilated and their eyes smiled. Amitofo, they said lovingly, you've come. You've all but driven Miss Hua mad from despair. In the upper quarters, they're just seated at the feast. So be quick, Mr. Secundus, and go and join them. At these words, Bao Yu speedily divested himself of his plain clothes and put on a colored costume reserved for festive occasions, which he hunted up with his own hands. This done, where are they holding the banquet? he inquired. They are in the newly erected large reception pavilion, the old women responded. Upon catching the reply, Bao Yu straightway started for the reception pavilion. From an early moment, the strains of flageolets and pipes of song and of wind instruments faintly fell on his ear. The moment he reached the passage on the opposite side, he discerned Yu Chuan'er seated all alone under the eaves of the veranda, giving way to tears. As soon as she became conscious of Bao Yu's arrival, she drew a long, long breath. Smacking her lips, Ai, she cried, the phoenix has alighted. Go in at once. Had the newcomer for another minute, everyone would have been quite upset. Bao Yu forced a smile. Just try and guess where I've been, he observed. Yu Chen'er twisted herself round, and paying no notice to him, she continued drying her tears. Bao Yu had, therefore, no option but to enter with hasty step. On his arrival in the reception hall, he paid his greetings to his grandmother Jia, to Madame Wang and the other inmates, and one and all felt, in fact, as happy to see him back as if they had come into the possession of a phoenix. Where have you been? Daoja Lady Jia was the first to ask. That you come back at this hour. Don't you yet go and pay your congratulations to your cousin? And smiling, she proceeded, addressing herself to Lady Feng. 
your cousin has no idea of what's right and what's wrong even though he may have had something pressing to do why didn't he utter just one word but stealthily bolted away on his own hook will this sort of thing ever do but should you behave again in this fashion by and by i shall when your father comes home feel compelled to tell him to chastise you lady feng smiled congratulations are a small matter she observed but cousin bao you must on no account sneak away any more without breathing a word to anyone and not sending for some people to escort you for carriages and horses throng the streets first and foremost you are the means of making people uneasy at heart and what's more that isn't the way in which members of a family such as ours should go out of doors dao jalilija meanwhile went on reprimanding the servants who waited on him why she said do you all listen to him and readily go wherever he pleases without even reporting a single word but where did you really go continuing she asked did you have anything to eat or did you get any sort of fright huh? a beloved wife of the duke of beijing departed this life pao yu merely returned for answer and i went to-day to express my condolences to him i found him in such bitter anguish that i couldn't very well leave him and come back immediately that's the reason why i tarried with him a little longer if hereafter you do again go out of doors slyly and on your own hook dajali impressed on his mind without first telling me i shall certainly bid your father give you a canning pao yu signified his obedience with all promptitude his grandmother Jia was then bent upon having the servants who were on attendance on him beaten but the various inmates did their best to dissuade her venerable senior they said you can well dispense with flying into a rage he has already promised that he won't venture to go out again besides he has come back without any misadventure so we should all compose our minds and enjoy ourselves a bit only the jar had at first been full of solicitude she had as a matter of course been in a state of despair and displeasure but seeing pao yu returned in safety she felt immoderately delighted to such a degree that she could not reconcile herself to visit her resentment upon him she therefore dropped all mention of his escapade at once and as she entertained fears lest he may have been unhappy or have had when he was away nothing to eat or got a start on the road she did not punish him but had contrarywise recourse to every sort of inducement to cause him to feel at ease but jiren soon came over and attended to his wants so the company once more turned their attention to the theatricals the play acted on that occasion was the record of the boxwood hairpin dajali dija mrs Sher, and the others were deeply impressed by what they saw and gave way to tears some however of the inmates were amused others were provoked to anger others gave vent to abuse but reader do you wish to know the sequel if so the next chapter will explain it
end of section 37. 